welcome to the most entertaining, engaging, and charismatic podcast, you know, around the holiday season. You know, it's all about giving. And one of the big things about the holidays is spending money. And money is like the big focal point at this time of the year. So I think it would have been a good topic to talk about such things, um, especially surrounding uh, combat sports athletes. Um, pay has always been a huge uh, thing that's being discussed. And we've talked about it before in this podcast before. Uh, but this topic, uh, we're going to be talking about different topics in, in this episode. But I want to start off with this kicker. Um, Ariel Huwani, who, if you follow sports, one of the most wide-respected journalists um, out there, just won his 12th uh, journalism award. Um, he did an interview um, on a Pat McAfee show talking about fighters asking to get paid to do media opportunities. And this all stems from, I don't know if you know, because I know you're more into boxing, but Patty Pimlet who's like a rising star from England and the UFC and a lightweight division. Last year, it all started off with uh, uh, Patty Pimlet reaching out to Ariel Hawani about doing an interview while he was in New York because that's where Ariel Hawani hosts his show. And things happened. I guess Patty Pimlet, who's a new star, was getting paid to do certain other interviews and his new manager was trying to get him to only do paid stuff and uh, talks is broken down. And one of the biggest problems that happened was Ariel Hawani was covering Patty Pimlet before he became a, a big star. Um, this was, I'm talking about 2016, 2017 when nobody knew who his name was, he's fighting on the B leagues and you no, know, he was giving him coverage. And then all of a sudden he gets one or two fights in the UFC gets a little popular and now he has to start getting paid for interviews so the topic of this because i want to ask you ariel hawani made a good point um he said you know i've had people like john jones mike tyson uh conor mcgregor floyd mayweather i interviewed the biggest of the biggest the baddest of the bad and nobody's ever whispered hinted suggested called him questioned him i said hey I i need to get paid are you paying me for this interview um, let me ask you, because I've talked about media opportunities with, with fighters, um, and even as actors, I think we can relate to this because, you know, when we do movies and, uh, any type of new project comes out, you know, you get press for it. Do you think, uh, but I want to speak, stick specifically to this. Do you think athletes should get paid to do media opportunities? Or do you think that they should use these opportunities to just, go on the platform, spread their business, spread their message and, and spread their brand. Um, all right. So when you, when you say athletes, all right, so I'm gonna think of it in terms of boxers, right? Boxers, the media is part of the fight purse that comes with what you agree to when you agree to fight. So you talk in interviews at the weigh-ins interviews at the media workouts, interviews at you know the the face-off press conferences interviews you know the post-fight interview and then the post-fight press conference why would you get paid for that when you're already getting now let's say you know the bigger fighters are getting multi-million dollar you know fight purses so what's the big deal about sitting down and answering a couple of questions about yourself for 10 to you know maybe 15 20 minutes at most that's nothing like 
it's something that Cameron said, um, the rapper from Dipset. He was like, yo, like, if this is my job, this is easy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, to me, that's not a big deal. Like, if, I, if I'm a professional fighter, if I'm a boxer, why, why am I, you know, pinching pennies, trying to get money, you know, just to answer questions, talking about myself? To me, that, like, I'm not saying that people who feel like they should, you know, get paid from it that they shouldn't all i'm saying is like well if that's if it's all that arduous for you to do that then maybe it's the wrong field like it's not even about that i i think for for ariel and i i agree with him and a lot of people actually agree with him and uh people are starting to turn against as his, yeah ufc um, fighter yeah ufc fighter well, you're gonna have you're gonna have those types of issues in the ufc because ufc fighters for the most part they don't even get paid the type of money that they're supposed to be getting paid with all the damage that they be taking so of course they they already feel like they don't get paid the way they should get paid and then they probably got to do all of this media and shit like that of course because they're not getting paid so that's why you're having that discussion in the ufc realm but in boxing that's not that's not a problem because fighters are well paid yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it is a good conversation to have. And I think uh, uh, this whole is start a role narrative in regards to journalism, uh, especially within combat sports. And a lot of people came out and started criti criticizing Patty Pimblett, a.k.a. Patty the Batty, because one, you know, you know, not to be rude to the to the young guy, but he's not exactly Conor McGregor. He's not John Jones. He's not Floyd Mayweather. He's not commanding those type of numbers. Um, and yet, you know, they gladly do interviews, especially when it comes to people in their sport who are journalists. You know, journalists, journalism don't pay for interviews because at the end of the day, they are giving you a platform to, you know, express your message. You know, you can't, that's like me going, let's say if I was in the UFC after, you know, a fight, I go do a press conference and just say, hey, before I even answer any questions, I want $500 to meet you. Now, that's not how it works. You know, you should use that 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 platform to expand your message. You know, MMA Junkie, uh, ESPN. You're not going to go to ESPN and say, hey, you're going to pay me. If, if Conor McGregor don't do it, what makes you think you're going to do it? And you're not commanding the same presence and numbers as he is. So... Mm -hmm. But I will say, I think there is a difference between journalists and then, uh, uh, you know, individuals who are creating content, content creators. So I think people like Ariel Hawani, MMA Junkie, ESPN and stuff who are actual journalism uh, companies, uh, entities, that's different than, let's say, if I reached out to, uh, let's say, John Jones and I say, hey, John, can I get an hour of your time? Okay. Most likely he's going to say, hey, you know, you're not part of the the usual MMA journalism that you should cover or ask, the, ask me to come on. So, you know, I'll charge you a flat fee. That's different because now I'm using his likeliness to make money um, or to use his likeliness to boost my numbers and stuff like that. That's different than, you know, in a, any sport where you have actual coverage from uh, different media outlets, you don't charge them for it. And especially, I get it, you're a new name, new face. Um, however, I do think this is a good conversation. Do you think that fighters should be paid, boxing and MMA? Do you think fighters should be paid to do media? Even if they get paid well to fight in the ring, but you know, doing coverage during fight week, maybe a little bit before fight week, after fight week, doing press coverage, do you think they should get paid? Wait, say that again, I'm sorry. Do you think 
athletes, regardless, you know, whatever they get paid in a contract to fight, you know, that's one thing. So if uh, the Charlo brothers, you know, sign on to fight, you know, an opponent, they get paid for that separate, you know, fight. Do you think they should also get paid for every media uh, or nah, press? Because they're they already, nah, because they're already getting paid. Like if we're talking to Charlos, let's say these guys are already getting paid M's. You know, in terms of their fight purses and things like that, they'll probably get paid probably, you know, let's say to do like media that doesn't have to do with a fight that they got coming up. But as far as the a fight that they got coming up, they negotiate that with the network. So that pay is already part of the total amount that they're supposed to be getting paid. So in that contract, that part of that is going to be media and press obligations that they have to do. They're getting paid for that. So it's part of the contract. I don't know about UFC, but in boxing, I'm pretty sure when they agree with Showtime, they agree with, you know, um, the zone when they, when they talk with ESPN and these other fight networks and stuff like that, that put a pay-per-view bouts and stuff like that. They get, they get paid to do that. So if they're paying me $2 million, that 2 million also includes media and press engagements. Uh, you know, that is a fair point. And I think, you know, the UFC, so they actually do have like a a separate, uh, I forgot the actual name of it, but they actually have a separate thing where they do get paid. So it's basically like a sponsorship, but they also get paid for media obligations too. And, and, and you get paid according to different fights. So if you just became into the, just came into the UFC and you fought one to three times, I think you get paid like 3000 3500 It's like the base. And then the more fights you have, the more. So I think if you have anywhere... From twenty one plus fights, you get an extra uh twenty one thousand plus or something somewhere around that range. Uh, so they do have increments of how much you get paid according to how much you fight. Um, however, I do think um, you know, in this aspect, I I say this, and we've talked about market marketability and using uh, airtime. I feel like personally, as fighters, you know, this is the wrong approach. You know, I think when you get to a certain level, maybe there's a conversation for you to start asking for payment. But I think that really only comes from content creators, people who aren't associated with journalism, because journalism essentially is giving you the coverage for your sport. NFL has it. Tennis has it. Basketball has it. Any sport, any Olympics, any, you know, anything that goes on TV has media coverage. And I think for you to start demanding payment to get paid, especially when you're not a LeBron James in general or Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather at the top of your sport, um, I think you're setting yourself up this, to a disservice because the, the bottom line is that's the way for you to expand your brand, expand your message. And then when you start asking people to pay for every little nickel and dime that you want them to pay for just to go on the platform, well, now you're going to be causing a, a, a whole thing where nobody wants to cover you no more. How, you know, how are you going to spread your message if nobody gives you coverage? So I, I get what he was trying to do. I don't like the way he went about it because he started, you know, calling him names and slamming the wrong sport. He's in the wrong sport. You're in the wrong sport. If, if, if he think everything he's going to do is going to yield, you know, like, like massive monetary benefits and stuff like that. The UFC is a wrong sport for that because, you picked the organization that, again, one guy, Dana White, for the most part, is the one who 
creates all the rules and sets the rules of engagement as far as how much y'all getting paid, when y'all getting paid, how this, that, and the third. So if you don't like that shit, well, I don't know, go 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 to another sport or something like that. But wrong sport, bruh. Absolutely. Now let's move on because I think that was a good segue to the, the the main subject of this conversation. You know, people like Joe Rogan have spoken about it. Dana White has been questioned about it. Other fighters have been questioned about it. So I'm I'm explaining the situation. Boxing um suffered the same thing. Uh many sports have suffered the same thing. Uh betting and sports. And the reason why I, I want to do this because recently uh UFC is the newest sport in terms of betting. Uh so you haven't been able to bet over the last 20 years. It's been recent five years a minimum uh maximum. So this James Krause, who um is a former UFC fighter, he just retired like last year, uh now MMA coach, well respected in the community. Uh, MMA community. Everybody knows who he is. Great guy from what I've heard. Um, he also now is a coach, full-time coach. He trains fighters uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona. And he recently had a fighter, uh, Derek Miner, who fought in November. And what happened was James Court, they started getting, they were starting to have snickers around the locker room about James Cross and some of his dealings with fighters. And recently it came out after the fight um, that Derek Mina just had. He ended up losing the fight because he was injured. And the dude, he he just couldn't continue no more after the dude. T- so basically it was a TKO. And he came out in the press conference saying, you know what? I, I didn't tell nobody, but I had a severe injury and I fought very injured. And the problem was a couple hours before the fight started, the betting line started going crazy. So this dude went into the fight as a major upside, a major um, um, plus side. And then a couple hours before, for some reason, he went to the he went to the underdog status, and people didn't understand why. So people shuffling bets, and people starting seeing the betting lines change. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he ends up injured. And now the FBI is getting involved. Uh, different organizations, uh, different betting states are getting involved. Um, and there's a major investigation going on to the point where now there, uh, James Cross can be involved in any UFC or a- any MMA events. Any of his fighters can be either any pub- anybody involved with his gym is not invited to any fight. Uh, they can't fight. They can't be involved in corner activity, nothing. Um, so let me get your take on that. What do you think about betting in sports? Do you think it's a, a great thing, you know, or do you think that it does cause uh, a lot of problems when it comes to to um, advantages and, and wins and losses? Um, I have absolutely no interest in gambling, sports betting of any kind. I don't see what fun people get out of it. I don't see the point in it, really. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I'm not gonna say that I'm opposed to taking risk, but I'm not that type of risk taker where, oh, I'm betting on some fucking like sports athlete so I can get some more money. No, like I said, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just for a certain demographic of people. I've heard of it, but 
people should only get mad because they were stupid enough to to be involved and shit like that anyway. So the FBI getting involved and all all other types of stuff when people should really be mad at themselves for doing something so dumb. I I just think gambling is just is just stupid and it and it's for idiots. And then if you look at most of those people, they have a problem. So they couldn't stop gambling if they wanted to because they have they have an addiction to it. You know. It- a lot of people, because um, this whole UFC, they came out with a whole rule book a couple months ago about betting. They they were kind of against it, but you know, certain states allow it, and I think at one point they did allow. It, but the problem is, so there's two things. Derek Minor, he was supposed to disclose this injury to USADA to to um to the um agents that work with the UFC in terms of managing injuries and all this stuff. So to go into a fight with a major injury without disclosing it, you know, and your your, your coach knows about it, who is actually was in on it. That's why. And and and, and that's the problem. It's is it's blurring the lines. And you know, Dana White did an interview. He was talking about it. He said, "Look, I'm not here to tell anybody how to make a living, how to you know run a house or how to make money. However, when you start dibbling dabbling into stuff like this." You know, you're looking at federal prison time, and there's nothing I could do for you. And so, you know, James Cross and his, his fighters, I don't know. I feel bad because a lot of people say, oh, well, his gym shouldn't suffer. Well, the problem with betting is that if one fighter threw a fight, how many other fighters, how many other people in the corners of these fighters are throwing fights and knowing that fights are being thrown because, you know, little injuries are being ha- are happening. They know about it. They won't address it to the commission. And you know they're letting the fighters go in there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I, I, me personally, I don't bet. I do know a lot of people who do bet, and I get it. You know, that you look at. You know, when I watch UFC pay per views like this past pay per view that happened, they were showing that if you bet it for five fighters, which, if we being honest, after watching a whole fight, it honestly was a good bet. You bet five hundred dollars for five fighters to win in the main card, you win fifteen grand. So yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I personally, I just don't see any, any point in that. And, and, and you gotta understand something about combat sports in general. There's always going to be a level of conjecture involved, you know, in what ends up happening in some of these fights. Like, Oh, did they throw the fight or, or, or this and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it's, it's really, you got to take it with a grain of salt because if you get caught up in that web, you're going to get stuck there. And me personally, I, I just don't care. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, but let's let's move on because I, I said we're gonna be talking about uh, a lot of topics, and this one I think this would be a good one because me and you talked about how boxing has changed over time, and a lot of people don't think for the good, and now we've seen in the UFC. So Sure Dog did an uh, interview. Another problem involving Patty Pimblet, Patty the Batty, um, and the Athletic Commission. So that they did an opinion piece called "The UFC is not presenting a sport, just like Boston hasn't." And so what they went on to say was, so what stems from them writing this piece was Patty the Batty, who like I said is a rising star in the UFC, just like Sugar Sean O'Malley. These two fighters, I love Sugar Sean. I'm not a big fan of Patty, but you know the, the UFC see them at the new Conor McGregor's, uh, see them as money trains for different markets. So you know they're gonna hype them up. Now they both are fighting uh top tier uh opposition. And obviously we all know the UFC likes their fan favorites. So 
you know, I don't want to ruin the cash cow. I'm going to give them favorable matchups. I'm not going to throw them to the walls. We're going to have them keep winning to the point where, you know, people are willing to show any type of big bucks, like Conor McGregor. So this past weekend, Patty the Batty had a fight with um, uh, a veteran. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. And Patty Batty lost. I mean, 24 out of 25 media outlets scored the one for Jared Gordon. That was his opponent name. Um, everybody scored it for Jer- uh, uh, Jared Gordon. Patty the Batty won scorecards by the Athletic Commission. And a lot of people were calling this robbery. And so the opinion piece goes on to say same thing, how boxing has suffered is that now the UFC is going to that place where they're not presenting the sport no more. You know, the days of uh, Royce Gracie hashing it out with uh, uh, the likes of Tim Sylvia uh, in the heavyweight division. And it was everything you could kick, you could punch, you could wrestle. It don't matter. People just want to see the sport aspect. Now it's becoming more about if you're a wrestler, uh, the UFC is like, you know, spice it up. If you're not going to spice it up, we're going to cut you. It's all about the flashy knockouts. It's about the, the the hardcore submission. It's about the blood being poured down your face. That That's what they want. And uh, it has started a conversation of now where Kobe Covington, I don't know if you know Kobe Covington, but nope. he went on a, a, a rant. A lot of people don't like his character, but he was talking about how, you know, he went from uh, NCAA Division One uh, collegiate wrestler Coming to the UFC, undefeated, winning fights, winning fights, and then it got to the point when he was in Brazil, he beat Damian Amaya, and the UFC told him, "Hey, um, you know, you're, you're winning fights, but you're boring. You know, people don't, you know, we find you very boring. So the next fight, if you don't do something different, you're you're being released from your contract." And so then, after knowing that, after he won the fight in Brazil, he went on a tirade on Brazil, calling them dumpsters called them filthy animals and all this stuff. And now he trash talks his people a lot, but he's become the character that the UFC wants, which is, you know, causing traffic, causing clicks, causing likes. Um, How do you feel about that? Because we've seen it in boxing too, where the spectacle of the sport is long gone. It's about favorable matchups, the entertainment aspect of it. And I get it. Entertainment is very important. Do you feel like, when it comes to sports, especially combat sports, the sport F aspect is not really there anymore, but it's more about an entertaining show than it is about the sport. Well, you said that that they told Colby Covington that they would drop him if he didn't make himself more interesting. Yeah. See, that that to me, that's like a pimp hole, pimp hole relationship. Like he like he's nothing but like a like a you know, financial monetary commodity to these people. And that's why, like, and I'm not going to say that it's not like that for some boxers out there who are trying to make a name for themselves. Cause I'm pretty sure it's the same thing where, you know, you've seen these, these fighters, they go out, they get knocked out and then their corner don't even, don't even come out, you know, and throw the towel, you know, for them. Um, I feel like that's the scary aspect of, of combat sports. And I feel like if this man, had any sense of like self value. I don't know. He would walk away from the sport or do something about it, but that's some screwed up pimp hole relationship. And it's like, I, I I don't condone that because those people who are telling them what to do, they're not the ones who are, who are going in the ring, putting their life on the line. And I feel like, you know, they should have some respect for what, you know, fighters do in the ring because shit, you walk in that ring and you might not come out the same way if you come out at all. 
So to try to tell this guy, yeah, we're going to drop you if you don't you have this fake-ass Conor McGregor or it, whatever persona it is that they want, I, I I don't rock with that. That's one. Two, who, like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, like, the spectacle of boxing sometimes is not entertaining, but at the same time, for me personally, I don't really care about it because these guys, or at least the, the fighters that are coming to mind right now, they're all rich and they're all successful. So it's like, what the, what the hell do you have to be mad about? Yeah, sure. You can sell the fight, but y'all don't have to threaten each other to do things to one another outside the ring. Because to me, I just feel like they're corny. And then sometimes a lot of times these fighters that are doing that, you know, are black. So I feel like if the spectacle aspect of what people were used to back in the day, you know, and the thing is back in the day, it was all in good faith. Like, you know, when Muhammad Ali was teasing or taunting or, or, or saying BS to some of these fighters, you know, it was, you know, just, just sportsman-like, even though I think one of them actually pulled out a gun and tried to shot at him or some shit like that. But I feel like the spectacle not being that much of a thing these days is fine because it makes people focus on what's going on in the ring rather, you know, outside the ring. It, it, it's one of those lines, and I've talked about it, you know, one of the episodes we did when I talked about, uh, you know, fighters complaining about lack of pay. And it's a fine line where it's like, okay, you want to go out there, you want to give a show, um, but you also want to win. And one of the problems, you know, this article goes on talking about, you know, you you don't know UFC, but people like Derek Lewis, Justin Gaethje, who are phenomenal, exciting fighters. Every time you see them, you know, it's going to be a firefight. You know, you're going to be entertained. They may not always get the win, especially Derek Lewis. But Derek Lewis is the knockout king in the heavyweight division, all-time heavy uh, knockouts in UFC history. Justin Gaethje is known for his brutal leg kicks, and he will kick somebody's legs off until they he, they can't walk no more. Um, and people love them. They're fan favorites. They may not win titles, but they go out there and they give a show. Now, Justin Gaethje, to be fair, could win the championship. He could, but he cares more about being an entertainer than he does about using his credentials as a wrestler and as a fighter to actually go and use full advantage of those, um, of his arsenal. And, you know, this article talks about how the elements of sport and entertainment are now being blurred and crossed. And now is a war with each other, you know, because now it's like, okay, you have someone, for instance, I use Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is a, for, is an NCAA All-American, uh, competed in the Olympics. And he hasn't used his wrestling since he went to MMA. Why? Because he saw the value and the fact that he was getting paid way more money. He was getting performance in the night bonuses. He was getting a lot of other bonuses. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day for him, he's like, you know what? I could go out there, wrestle. People might find it boring, but I'm not going to get the extra 50000 I'm not going to get the extra 75000 so let me just go out there and I'll stand up the whole time. You know, I'll use my wrestling to stop takedowns, get back up and start kicking them in the legs again. And and that's worked. And we see it time and time again. You know, the whole situation of Sugar Sean O'Malley, Patty Pemblet, you know, all these rising stars, all these, you know, quote unquote um attractions that the UFC view, you know, they're winning decisions that they shouldn't win, you know, robberies in a sense, and true robberies. Um and it's only because the UFC sees them as cash cows. They don't want them to lose yet. So unless you beat them decisively, uh, you know, chances are they're going to win. Um, so what do you think is, 
do you think that there's any chance for boxing, for UFC, any combat sport to truly go back to the heydays of Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, where it was just straight about performance, going out there, being crisp, being technical, uh, just winning fight on pure athleticism, pure technique. Now, it seems to me, unless you get the knockout of the night, the flashy knockout of the year, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't seeing you as the top tier uh, like man, you know, back then. Man, uh, let me tell you something. Only You're only going to get, as far as boxing is concerned, you're only going to get people who feel like that. Oh, well, if it's not a great knockout, then that means it wasn't a good fight. Like, only casuals and people who don't know anything about boxing are going to be the ones that have those sorts of opinions and say those sorts of things. Because me, now it's easy for me to say because I didn't come from that Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, you know, Marvin Hagler, Evander Holyfield. I didn't come from that era. I didn't watch boxing back then. So, you know, when when people say the heydays, it's like I, I, I can't really say that it was a heyday because I didn't live it. And I don't know enough about it to say that I can appreciate this era of boxing for what it is, because you do have boxers out there who do win on skill, who do win you know, um, technically who, who, who do best their opponents with knockouts and stuff like that is because again, to know these guys, you have to really get into the sport is because people pick and choose who they really want to get behind. And in this day and age, now you only have three active casual friendly fighters. You got Ryan Garcia, who in my opinion, yeah, he's a good fighter, but I know fighters that are better than him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Tank Davis, again, he's a great fighter. Um, but the only reason why people, you know, like him is because he was, you know, Floyd Mayweather's protege. So that cachet carried over to him and Deontay Wilder, who, again, you already know how I feel about Deontay Wilder. I, I don't like him enough to even, you know, expound on him. So that's what I'm saying. Like boxing to me is it could be it has been in better spaces since I've been in the sport. But I feel like, hey, like the fighters are there. It's just whether or not people are choosing to watch or not. But even if they don't, I am so. Yeah, and you you make a good point. It's like the whole uh, Jake Paul celebrity boxing YouTube thing going on now where it's like, you know, more uh, YouTubers are actually, you know, Jake Paul and the people around him are making more money than actual true boxes. And, you know, you think about why. Why is that happening? And it's usually because they know how to make people entertain. Well, they may, they may not be as crisp as Tyson Fury in a boxing ring, but they know how to entertain people. And, you know, it's sad to say, but, you know, my all-time favorite athlete, John Bones Jones, uh, I could watch that man any day, all day. However, unfortunately, someone like Justin Gaethje would probably sell out more than John Jones because he's more entertaining in the sense that when it comes to when it comes to in the ring, he's wild. He just go out there looking to take your head off every swing he throws. He's going to try to take your head off. He's going to kick your legs to you, to you limping outside the ring. He's more of a showman type, and and I get I'm not disrespecting him one bit. I mean, out of out of like 13, uh, 10 fights he's had in the UFC, he's won like eight performance at the night bonuses, a fight at night bonus. So basically, almost every fight he he fights, wins or loses, he's getting extra money just because. So now it's you know. Um, a lot of people say, you know what? At the end of the day, it's the it's the fact that you're incentivized. You know, one of the common criticisms about the UFC is uh, the whole what uh, the bon the win bonus. So what they do in terms of fighter pay, and so let's say 
uh, a new co- a new hire comes on to the UFC, they get twelve and twelve. So they get twelve thousand dollars to show up. So that means make it to fight week and weigh in. Once they weigh in for the fight, they get twelve grand on top, right there. And then if they win the fight, they get twelve thousand dollars. Um, and then if they if they fight is fighting night, they get another fifty thousand or seventy five, depending on what the president wants to do that day. Uh, they might get um performance of the night. You know, they'll get that. So. There's a UFC fighter. He hasn't fought in a long time. Uh, Miles Jury. He has a YouTube channel. He talked about some of his fights. So he fought uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. If you watch MMA, you would know he is. But he talked about fighting him, a legend in the sport. He was only getting paid 12 to sh- uh, twelve to show, 12 to win. Because he didn't win the fight, instead of making potentially you know 24 grand flat without any extra bonuses, he only brought home 12000 he didn't win, so he can get the twelve thousand. He can get performance tonight. He can get the extra cash. So essentially, at the fees and everything, he basically broke even. And it's like, yo, I, I can't even quit my day job because I'm not making enough. And now the UFC is incentivizing people to go out there and take each other's heads off to win because that's the only way you're going to make the extra cash. So, uh-huh. and we've seen it too with some champions, uh, Aljamain Sterling, for instance, who's the bantamweight champion. He gets a win bonus. So he's not an Israel Asanya who does draw, who makes that type of money, who don't have to win, worry about whether he, if he wins, he gets extra cash. No, he gets a flat fee plus pay-per-view points. So he's making millions per pay-per-view. Whereas Aljamain Sterling, if he loses the championship, he don't get paid any extra. So um, do you think that that's a conversation where it's like, some people say it incentivizes better performances from athletes. Um, and then on top of that, it also causes a lot of uh, um, mixed feelings because people say, damn, you know, people going out there, putting their, putting their life on the line, you know, trying to win as much as they can. They go to a decision and because they lose, they don't get the extra money that they would need to take care of bills, take care of their household. How, how do you feel about that? Because you're, you're going to run into shit like that because when you're dealing with a league that treats their fighters like well you should be lucky that you're even in this league so because of that and you only have one guy who's in charge who's calling the shots it doesn't really leave you much room to really say anything and then that's why you have a guy like conor mcgregor who who was able to leave the sport fight freaking floyd mayweather for way more money than he's ever earned in the ufc and then pretty much kind of retire the sport versus the sport retiring him you know and again when do you ever really get ufc fighters that can really transcend you know the ufc like that not a lot you know what i'm saying not especially because they don't have personality like like conor mcgregor actually had had a personality that you could market a lot of these other guys they don't have a personality when you listen to them talk what what the hell are they saying right they just sound like old-headed guys that just got hit in their head too much and then they just say whatever it is that they need to say and that's it you can't you you can't market these guys that's why they don't really have any marketability outside of the ufc um it's not like the nba where the nba they have the nbpa the nba players association where the players can speak up against certain things that they don't like so if they want something to happen that's what the nbpa is for freaking you know what i'm saying ufc don't have that I mean, boxers, they have say, you know, because you got the networks, you got the promoters, you, you know what I'm saying? You have advisors and stuff that actually look out for your best interest. 
Dana, Dana White is never going to look out for the best interest of the fighters. He's always going to look out for the best interest of the UFC. So people that choose to knowing that, because I mean, this is common knowledge. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not even a casual UFC, and I know this, I know this type of shit. So when you when you decide to enter into an organization like that, you gotta accept what comes with it. Because I, you know, none of this shit surprises me at all. But you know. A real good point. And, you know, one last thing about that, you know, Nate Diaz, the Diaz brothers, two of my favorite fighters of all time, uh, besides, well, John Jones, greatest of all time, but Nate Diaz, and Nick Diaz, two fighters that never won a championship, um, but everybody knows who they are and they're massively popular. They can main event any pay-per-view, main event any fight night, although they're probably not going to main event a fight night because those are lower tier for people of their caliber, but you know, now Nate Diaz is going over the box and he's rumored to be fighting Jake Paul, uh, in 2023. And it's because, you know, Nate Diaz goes on and he, and he tells, he did an interview with Ariel Hawani and he talks about educating his fighters and he tries to get his fighters UFC deals, the best possible deals. And he talks about why he left because recently after his fight in September, he left the UFC. He's going to test free agency, do boxing, get paid, you know, more money. And one of the things that he said was, you know, when you loyal to a company for so long, you start seeing your worth. And he felt like, you know, I bring eyeballs. I put people in seats. People come from all over the United States to come see my fights. And yet I'm getting paid less money. How does that work? You know, I could go fight, you know, Jake Paul make Conor McGregor money and I'm good, you know, and I'm one of the top attractions in UFC history. And yet I'm not getting paid the way I should be. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, you know, when you have fighters of that caliber coming out, talking about the lack of pay for them. And I don't know what lack of pay for Nate Diaz might be. He may want a million dollars and honestly, he will be worth it because Nate Diaz. Um, but I do think performance of the night bonuses, uh, a win bonus. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of fighters are when you're in the fight, you're not thinking about all right. If I'm finished opponent by the third round, I'm not going to get my win bonus. No, you're thinking about surviving. You're thinking about your gas tank. You're thinking about how you're going to win the fight. You know, last thing you're thinking about is I need this. I, I need to get this one so I can get this extra money. Um, and now you have fighters who just abandon all types of strategies and they go on out there. Unfortunately, I could name too many fighters who go out there abandon every technique, every strategy that they're known for just to try to get that that win bonus, just to get the performance of night bonus. And, you know, now they're walking around with, you know, speech impediment problems, uh, you know, concussions all over the place. Justin Gaethje is a prime example of a dude, because of his entertainment style, he was getting knocked up beside the head so much that he had, a, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's sad to see, and it's usually because, you know, I, I like the UFC. It's nothing against the UFC. But when you incentivize fighters to say, okay, unless you win a fight, you're not getting this extra cash on your contract. You know, that's bottom line. Okay, so now if I'm not going to win, I, let me see if I can at least get the fight at night. I mean, that's more money on my contract anyway. So I'm going to try to get the fight at night. But if another fighter fight out there does better, you may not get it. So you go out there, you risk your life. You still may not even get that extra bonus. So 
I don't know what to do. Uh, do you think that maybe it's just at a point where the UFC just need to pay fighters a better instead of get rid of the win bonus? You know, pay them instead of twelve thousand a win, twelve thousand a uh, show. Just give them twenty four thousand flat, and then they can fight for the extra fifty thousand fee. Uh, how do you feel? I mean, I get that the UFC and combat sports is. Really, come when he really boils down to it, it's like a gladiator sport, and it's almost barbaric if you really look at it. Um, but UFC fighters in particular, they get treated barbarically, and what I mean by that is, fight of the night bonus is almost as if like dangling a piece of meat in front of a dog, and then you 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 know it's just to motivate the dog to run faster. You know what I'm saying? And all that comes to mind is pimp ho. As all as all I can say. <laughs> Is pimp hoe, okay? They they are the hoes and 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 fucking Dana White is the pimp. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, hey, you want this money? You got to do this, that, that, and you have no value. Like they don't do that to. I mean, boxers who who are who are bigger, they don't get treated like that. NBA players don't get treated like that. Pretty sure baseball players don't. If you look at other sports, tennis players, it's not like that. But UFC, pimp hoe, and. With that, let me move on to the last topic. You know, rapid fire style holidays. A lot of people. I'm sure we don't want to be on the on the microphone too long, but uh, weight bullying, weight cutting. You know, this is a big topic that's been arising over the years. And weight bullying. What I mean by that, um, I don't know about boxing. You don't really hear about too much in boxing. Um, and it might do happen in boxing, but in the UFC aspect, right? You know, we have a lot of fighters. Um, Patty Pimblett, another one. He's a prime example. This is how this whole weight bullying and weight cutting started. So Patty Pemblet is around our age, 26. And he fights in lightweight division, 155, right? Bro, well, you wouldn't believe. Patty, the baddie, the dude I've been talking about okay. basically this whole podcast. Uh, you wouldn't believe how much this dude balloons after each fight. So he fights in the 155 division. Out of season, so the day after the fight, he just goes on a bench for a couple months. I mean, he just eats cheeseburgers, drink beer, do whatever he wants for a couple months. So he goes from 155 to a off season, he weighs like 215 pounds. Um, I honestly don't know how he cuts weight, uh, but he does talk about how he don't take short notice fights and he needs a ample amount of time to get fights because he has to cut all that weight. Um but that's one extreme level of a dude that just got no regards and just pigs out. But then you also have fighters who, you know, for instance, Hamzat Shemayev. A lot of people have been criticizing him because he was supposed to fight Nick Diaz in September. Didn't make weight. But, you know, he's a dude that probably weighs about 215 in the offseason. But he fights in the 170 division comfortably at 185. Um, same thing, Alex Pereira, the... um. Uh, the reigning uh, middleweight champion, he weighs like 230 in the offseason, but fights at 185, struggles to make weight. Although he hasn't missed weight yet, he struggles to make weight, is obvious. Um, what do you think about weight cutting and weight bullying? Do you think that's a main a major problem where you have fighters who are way heavier than they need to be and, you know, cheating to get down to a lighter weight and then using that size advantage, using that weight advantage to bully opponents? Um, in boxing, I mean, the general consensus in boxing is that if you can make the weight, make the weight. 
you know, um, I don't think there's really a way of cheating to get down to the weight because you're still going to, you know, like there, there are fighters that are my height that are making 140 pounds um, and or 140, 147, you know, 154, you know, pushing six, four, six foot five. And they're not they're not a weight bully. Now, my thing is this one of my favorite fighters is Errol Spence Jr. And. People say that he's a weight bully because he's really strong and he fights at 147 pounds. But the thing is, it's not like he's missing weight. You know, you're really a weight bully if you're, you're, you can't, you're struggling to make the weight and you can't make it. So if you're getting on a scale and you're off weight by like two, three pounds and you're a weight bully because you're trying to fight in a weight class that, that you can't. But if you can make the weight, it's like, shit, you make the weight. And if a fighter agrees to fight you, then, hey, they got to strategically plan for maybe your superior size, power, or whatever, because nobody can make you fight somebody that you didn't already know was a weight bully. So if you knew they're a weight bully, then don't fight them. You know what I'm saying? Or fight them, make a plan. You know what I'm saying? Because power and size, you know, can be can be taken away if you have the right strategy. So in boxing, I don't think it's that big a deal because someone can say, "Oh, all right." So if I was a fighter in real life, right? Realistically, I would fight at 154 or 160 because th- those are the weights that I could, you know, um, probably cut weight to. Probably, probably 160. 154 is kind of pushing it. I would need a nutritionist to to make 154. And then let's say on fight night, I rehydrate to let's say, you know, 170, you know, maybe 172, 173. So then I, I rehydrate, you know, up to 10 pounds heavier than, you know, what I weighed in at they can't say that I'm a, I'm a weight bully. You know what I'm saying? There's fighters who probably weigh in way more than that, you know? So in boxing, I don't think it's an issue, nor do I really feel like it's a legitimate argument. If in fact you can make weight, you know, it's an interesting topic because you know, you've recently see. So what happened is you're hold up my bad. You're a weight bully. If let's say a guy who's 250 pounds is fighting a guy who's 128 pounds, then you're, you're a weight bully because there's no, you know, freaking like the, the, the advantage scales is is way imbalanced. You know, a heavyweight shouldn't be fighting a a super featherweight. You know what I'm saying? That's a weight bully in real life. Like if you, if you're fighting, if you're 200 plus pounds and you're fighting a guy who is again 120 pounds, 130, 140 pounds. So what? You're you're a weight bully. You know, what I'm saying yeah. like, all right, like how much did you weigh when we sparred? When we sparred, I was about two fifty-five, two sixty. All right, so you were two hundred fifty-five pounds, two hundred sixty pounds. Now, in my case scenario, because I I was probably walking around at like one eighty-two you know, maybe 183, you know, after meals and shit like that, you know, give or take. But I was waking up on the scale every day at 180, at 180 pounds, you know, roughly. Because I'm taller than you and, you know, my scale, just because you were 250 pounds didn't really mean anything because it's still leveled out, if you get what I'm saying. But imagine if you were sparring somebody who was not my height and who probably didn't have, you know, my, or let's say even if they didn't have, let's say if they did have, you know, a similar scale, but they were five, five, five and freaking 135 pounds. Like even if they were skilled, all you had to do was just impose your size on them. And then that's pretty much it. That's, you would be a weight bully in that situation. 
But in but in boxing, you have weight classes as to where that doesn't that doesn't really ever happen. Uh, you know, I I I think boxing may be a little different in terms of this, but like you see, when when the sport where grappling is involved, wrestling is involved, you know, I think size does play a factor. And I'll use this example: it's like, um, dudes that consistently miss weight and they stay at that weight class, and I think that has become a major problem. Um, there's been times where uh, a very a lot of athletes will continue continuously miss weight at the division that they keep trying to fight at, and what ends up happening is let's say they do four fifty purse. Um, Yoel Romero, Yoel Romero is a prime example. Very that's a dude I want to fight. Very dangerous dude, middleweight, uh, Olympic wrestler. This dude will miss weight a lot, and he will balloon up to over 220 pounds and he's fighting a 185 pound division and a lot of people would say oh well, that's not too much of a weight bully but when you have people ballooning that much in weight within a day or two of a fight i think it does become a concern because now if he gets on top of me it's gonna be a lot harder for me to lift up that 220 pound body than it would be if we were both 185 190 and so um Nevada, I know the State Athletic Commission, Nevada, what they started doing was monitoring athletes' weights. And if they start seeing uh, um, start seeing uh, the same kind of trend happening, they will make fighters adjust their, uh, adjust their weight class. For instance, um, this one girl, uh, Aspen Lad, she was known, she was fighting in the featherweight division or strawweight, I can't remember exactly, but the 125-pound division. And she would miss weight every time, every time. And instead of coming in at 125, 126, which is the non-championship allowed weight, she would come in 128, which don't seem harmless. It don't seem harmless when, you know, you're like, okay, you know, two pounds. All right, that's fine. But then, you know, the day next, when it's fight night, she about 150 now. So now you're like, all right. How am I going to, she missed weight and she weighs a lot more than me now. So if she wrestles me, it's going to be, it's going to take me a lot more. It's going to take a lot more energy, a lot more cardio just to get her off my back, to get up off the floor. So now there's an advantage. Now that's not an extreme situation, but we have people, wrestle priest, Rumble Johnson, who were fighting different weight classes, but he would gain like 50 pounds overnight. So he would weigh in at 185 and then fight at like 235. In the middleweight division. So it's like, okay, now you find a guy who's a true 185-pounder, Israel Adesanya, but you now weigh 40, 50 pounds more. That That's a big discrepancy in, in, when it come, when you're using all types of punches, kicks, knees, wrestling. That's a big advantage. So now the Athletic State Commission stepped in and said, all right, we're not liking this. You know, a lot of fighters are complaining about fighters missing weight and then ballooning or, or making weight and still ballooning a lot. So I, I can't remember the exact cap, but I think between Friday, which is weigh-in, and Saturday, they can gain more than I think it's like 20 pounds. Or 15, 15 or 20 pounds. And if you weigh over that, then they'll it's up to their discretion whether they cancel your fight or not. So I think that is a safeguard to help fighters fight in a natural weight class because I do think like your example, Francis Ngannou fighting someone like Floyd Mayweather, that's a weight bully. But also say that if uh, I fight in a 
let's say I cut down to 185. You're around 190. So if we were in UFC, you'll probably fight uh, at the middleweight division, right? Let's say. Oh, uh, uh, you probably wouldn't, but just hypothetically, let's say because you're closer to that weight, so you you will only cut you know that much, or you could go to light heavyweight, whatever the two. Yeah, I but let's say I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because when you're cutting. It, if you're making weight at one, people who make weight at 180 are people who walk around like who average 195, probably 200. So they're cutting down to that weight. If I walk around at 180, then I'm cutting down to 160. You know what I'm saying? I would cut down to 160. If I walk around, if I could maintain that weight, then that means I can cut down to, you know, 160 because my power at 160 would actually be, you know, like it would be worth note. But if I'm trying to fight guys who are walking around at 200, yeah, I, I could probably, I could probably hurt them, you know, saying with, you know, the right punch and stuff like that. But again, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't fight guys in boxing. I wouldn't fight, I wouldn't be fighting Deontay Wilder because this guy he walks around at two something all the time. Anthony Joshua walks around fucking 240 freaking pounds. At all times. I don't even, I've never been 200 pounds in my entire life. So, you know, I, I so whatever weight classes in UFC that's around 160 pounds or maybe 170, but, you know, 160 something or whatever, that's where I would be at. But I wouldn't be at no, nah. But, you know, see, that, that would be reasonable. Like, that's not that much of a drastic weight cut for you. Now, it would be. What, what's, what, 80 or 160? Uh, you could 170 would be. They don't have a 160. It's 155 and 170. So you probably so they don't have a weight. they don't have a weight class that's in the 160s. No, weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. They I think and I think that's part of the reason is because uh you know a lot of people make make fun of boxing, but there is a difference between 155 and 160. It may not seem like a lot, but for so, I don't know for who people makes fun of weight. boxing because people who make fun of boxing probably can't box and probably couldn't beat uh, actual somebody who trains boxing. In, a, in an actual fight, but I would have, like I said, I would have to see what somebody's power feels like at like, you know what I'm saying? Because there are professional fighters at 160, like who could probably really punch. Like people say that, you know, triple G is, is really strong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I met him in real life, he would probably, probably be a little guy, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And there right. have been, there have been tall fighters. There are tar tall fighters that I know of that do fight at lesser weight classes, but they have no power. Or power is not the the basis. Like they're not boxer punchers. Like this guy, Michael Fox, he's a he's an outboxer and he's 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 six foot four, all jumpy, bouncing around and stuff like that. I, I hate his style. I, I hate his fight style. And he makes tall people look bad because tall people can bang too. Shit. Like I, I feel like shit, if I if I fought him, like if you if I had the same resources as him, talking about like if I was just training all the time and I fought him, I feel like I could beat Michael Fox. <laughs> Michael Fox, I don't think I know quote, him. Quote, quote me on that. <laughs> quote no. me on that. I, I, I'll spar Michael Fox, God damn it. See, uh, if, like I said, if he does that for a living, I don't. So it's lopsided, but I'm saying, like, if I had the same resources as he does with my boxer puncher style versus his outboxer style, I could beat him. Yeah, I, I you know, I've one of the reasons I don't know what I would do in UFC because you see me before. I know, like, I weigh around 250 right now, but I don't see... A lot of people may, may not think I weigh that much. I usually... People think I'm, like, 220 around there. So, I don't know what I would do because I'm not, like, compared to Francis Agano, I there's no way. It's, yeah, you got to look I, at strength. You got you to look at the average strength that fighters have 
at that weight class. Like you'll know like how how they're built up. Like Francis Ngannou is a big guy. You, in UFC terms, you would have to cut down. So That's if you I'm already saying, yeah. feel like in your head like you don't wouldn't really have anything to bring to the table strategically against a guy like Francis Ngannou, like the best, you know, then yeah, you got it. I don't I don't know how they're they're all set up, but you would have to cut down to where you can actually compete. Because me, I could be journeyman at 160, like guys that are just, you know what I'm saying? Like like probably a guy that that's 1-0, a guy that, that's 0-3 or 1-2, 1-3. I could I could beat guys like that, especially if I get in there and then, you know, you know they, they, they tap me and then I'm like, oh, shit, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Or I, they don't make me respect their power. Or they don't have any power that I respect. Then, yeah, no. Nah. All right, so I'll give you an example. Like, OC, right? I would say out of everybody that I sparred, OC had probably the most punching power out of out of, out of of everybody. But now, compared to you and him, like, he was probably loading up on his shots a little bit more, and I felt his punches, and I felt how strong he was. And he, if I'm not mistaken, told me that he was in the 160. You know what I'm saying? But... I have power too. So it wasn't like he was just coming in trying to engage with me because once I punched him a couple of times, you know what I'm saying? He already knew, oh shit, like he can actually fucking punch. Because you've seen, like, I hit him with an uppercut and then he starts to back up. You felt my uppercuts twice. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, and I, and that told me if I hit you with an uppercut flush and you two, 250, two, 260, however, however, however much you weigh, then what is that going to do to a guy who's weighing in on 160, probably comes in fight night 167 168 right that that's why i'm so i have i had after sparring you i had a lot i mean even jude i had more confidence after that because that just tells me that i can hurt somebody who's walking around at 200 if i if i if i if i place my punches the right way so it's all a matter of like you know it's all it's all relative and then you know what your particular fighting style is because if you don't know what your fighting style is then like i don't know that's that's like a whole another story but i know my fight style and i know who I could do well against and who I might have to, you know, tiptoe around. But, you know, fortunately I'm not a professional <laughs> fighter, so I don't have those problems in my life. Oh, no. I And that's the thing. Like, I don't spar often, which is why, like, when we did spar, I'm not going to load up my punches because I don't know how, how much I can generate. But when I look at, the, like, Deontay Wilder's, the Francis Agano's, uh surreal guns of the world, uh, strictly UFC I'm talking about, they're much bigger than I am. So I may seem when I say my weight, people might say, Oh, he's a big dude. But when you look at me, I don't seem that big. So I know if I'm fighting Francis Zagano, who probably works walks around a fight night at like 285, 290. And how I, tall are you? I'm like six four. So yeah, you like you said, you you really just have to get in shape, honestly. And then, I would get in because, shape because I, weight, I'm tell you something. There are various different 240 pounds somebody can be 240 pounds and look one way somebody another person can look 240 pounds look completely different and then another person there's different there's different weights and then on top of that just because somebody's 200 pounds don't mean that they're always as strong as their weight probably implies that they are yeah somebody can load up on shots you know what i'm saying but Somebody, somebody who's at that weight trying to punch me they probably only have about two or three tries before they gas out so if you if you if somebody's fucking swinging at me, they're they better make them them punches count because one, you're the bigger that you are, 
the more oxygen your body is going to require because even if it's fat, that fat and muscle still require oxygen. So it's gonna it, so make that shit fucking count because after a while, that's that's gonna be it. So for somebody like you, yeah, it's really just get big, like get in shape. Yeah, like right now I'm cutting. I I would I would say after puberty, during high school, I was like, yeah, wait. 185, but I think I'm comfortable around 230, 240 the most. Right now, I'm in I'm I'm decent shape, but I think if I can get down to like 235, that'd be astronomical for me. But I think like if I was as a fighter, I don't know because for me, I look at for instance Stipe Miocic, who's a true heavyweight, but he's fought like at 235, 230, and he's it, it depends who he's fighting, but generally when he's fighting someone like Francis or someone on a on the upper echelon of the heavyweight. So closer to 265, he struggles a lot because that's like true heavyweight. I'm not a true heavyweight considering my my power, my my size compared to my height. I'm not a true heavyweight. I would be more like a light heavyweight. So it might be one of those things where I'll have to consistently diet to maintain to be around 230 and then cut all the way to 205. But even then, yeah, I don't know how that. my body would... I, I yeah, yeah, but that, that's the thing. But you are, yeah, you probably do have some good, some good power. It's just you have to know how to, you know, apply that shit because it's really all the way that that you apply it. So it's like me. It's like when I when I punched you, that shit was I I don't want to say it was like 180 pounds of force, but it was applied applied force. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. was strategically placed at that one particular section. That's why you felt that shit because I knew how to land that shot right because you seen the video I, I saw the shot before i before i threw it you know and yeah. when i hit you with it that's that's what it is think just think the same thing if you did that shit to somebody else nigga that shit would fucking hurt <laughs> that's where it's like even when oc punched me last year that shit hurt no uh, that's a fact and you know let me let me say this you know people like john jones he's moving up to heavyweight and you know i would say john jones is not the strongest power even in 205 division when he was the kingpin he wasn't the strongest puncher. And boxing is different than MMA. So that's why I'm like, for me, I may not be a true heavyweight, but there might be in some instances where I can leverage certain techniques to help it. But even then, I'm Francis Gano punch me in the face. I mean, he's going to knock me out. I'm not even going to dispute that. But someone like John Jones, who I, I think he, like I see him now compared to when he was 205, and he looks a lot better. He looks more fuller. I think right now he weighs like 250. But John Jones is like 6'4", 6'5", 250 right now. Long arms. I mean, he has the longest reach, I think, in UFC history or the second longest. Um, longest legs. This dude virals. He may not be built like Francis Agano, but he has the size as Francis. And I mean, when he's throwing an elbow or kick or his wrestling, he has that technique and that power to translate in other ways that would match him well against Francis. I don't think I would either, but I don't know. It's one of those things I've thought about because people have said, have you ever thought about it? And I'm like, I have, but I don't know what weight division I would be in. I would have to Man, pick that. Yeah, pick all my people who do that shit. But that, you know, that's but that's... wisely because you can actually compete and it's not going to be strenuous to, to make weight like me. I can get down to 168 because my body just naturally can just get down to that weight. So it wouldn't be, you know, that big a deal just to rehydrate back up to 170. That's not, that's not that big a deal, but let's say if it was hard for like, I wouldn't pick, I wouldn't pick a weight class 
where where I walk around at is where they're coming down to, and then I wouldn't go down to 154 because it's un, it would just be unhealthy for me for me to do so, even if that did give me because there is a guy who's two inches taller than me, Sebastian Fedora. He's freaking six 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 seven, fighting at 154 pounds, but he can make the weight. People That's people talk people talk trash about him, but I'm like, hey, he make the weight. But the thing is, it gives him that massive freakish height advantage and i love i'd love to fight him shit if i if, if i knew him like i said coming soon i'm gonna be that actor that's jumping from jumping from boxing gym to boxing gym and i'm gonna be sparring freaking professional fighters he's like dang demetri juice jr was sparring sebastian Fandor, and people are never gonna see that shit but people are gonna talk about like those are gonna be those gym stories that people are always gonna talk about i'm gonna be that actor they'll be like yo if you really wanted to compete he could do this shit but i'll never do it wait quick question uh michael b jordan's creed what is he like in terms of boxing? What division is he? First of all, in freaking Creed, these guys they they try to make themselves look like heavyweights. Like even in Rocky, oh, oh, Rocky okay. Balboa is not Rocky Balboa is not a real heavyweight. Like that's not like they're not heavyweights in real life. In real life, freaking Michael B. Jordan, he he would be because he's not even a big guy. He just looks muscular, but. That that shit don't apply in real boxing. Like boxers don't really look like that. And then the ones that do, they're not even that good. Yeah, all he that would, muscle. Yeah. Yeah. He would be, he would fight because it was funny. He actually had Andre Ward, who fought at 175 in in uh uh Creed. I think it was in Creed 2 in the very beginning. He would fight at once. I would see I could see him fighting at 175. This man could not fight at no 200 pounds because he would get washed. He would get washed. I'm sorry. Like he nah. Like that. Cause I I'm I I forgot to look. I'm oh my gosh. I forgot to look it up. But I'm looking it up right now just to see. But I think in these freaking movies, like, all right, did you see Creed 2? Uh I haven't watched it yet, but I've Damn man, you're bugging. But basically the guy who played Ivan Drago's son, like Google it now if you can. Ivan Ivan Drago's son, Creed 2. He's a real heavyweight. He's a real heavyweight. This dude made Michael B. Jordan look small, right? Because what is it? Yep, WBC World Heavyweight Champion. This nigga's not a heavyweight, dog. He is not. He is not a. Oh yeah, that's, that's a not, big no. dude right there. Yeah, that's he a- would be a heavyweight in real life. Michael B. Jordan would fight at one seventy five, at at minimum, minimum. Like he could probably try to, you know, saying move up and weight and stuff like that. But Michael B. Jordan does not strike me as a guy like a strong guy, like. Because even in, even in, in Black Panther, like, they tried to make him look big and shit like that. But if you stand Michael B. Jordan next to Anthony Joshua, he's going to look tiny. Michael B. Jordan, is he even six feet? Like, I like I don't know. Like, again, like, if Michael B. Jordan fought Anthony Joshua in real life, he would get washed. The average heavyweight would literally knock this guy back and forth, like, around the ring. So he's only – he's six feet. He's six feet exactly. So he can, he can never be a heavyweight. He can never be a heavyweight. Alexander Usyk could literally make mincemeat out of this guy. So he's he's just an actor. He he's just an actor. Take take these movies. I like them too. Like don't get me wrong, I like them too. But the fight scenes, I take them with a grain of salt because real life boxing is not like that. They try to make boxing look like rock'em sock'em robots, and it's not like you're just taking their eating shots. Boom boom. Nah, it's not like that. So he would fight at one seventy five. That's where he should he should make weight one seventy five. So he can cut up. You know, what I'm saying look the part, stuff like that rehydrate to you know maybe 10 pounds or something like that and and then do that but he's not a real heavyweight at all no interesting um 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. I, I, you know, it's definitely, and that's one of the reasons why I say I, I do like boxing is because they do allow different weight classes. That's what I was saying. Like some people might, like some people in UFC say, man, boxing have way too many weight classes. But even now, we're starting to see UFC fighters ask for more weight classes because. Now it's like 155 and 170. There's no in between. So some people are suffering to cut all the way down to 155. Some people uh feel comfortable at 170, but some people want that whole 160. Um, some people want instead of a jump from 205 to heavyweight, you know, let's get a 225 pound division or something around there. So people who aren't natural heavyweights like a Francis can fight uh at a fair advantage, you know, but who knows? It's one of those things where, uh, like, like Dimitri Bivo, who beat Canelo, that that's somebody that I would say is more along the lines of Michael B. Jordan's size. And then if even if you look at him, he is in shape, but he don't be papal all muscular. You gotta understand, to look like Michael B. Jordan does in his movies, you have to be cut. When you're cut, you're not heavy. You just look heavy, but you're actually not heavy at all. Right. So that just goes to show, like they. Yeah, just the whole heavyweight thing is just mad inaccurate. Oh, they, and, then, oh, and then Canelo tried to move up to 175. And what happened? He got bullied around. He got bullied around. He got bullied. And the little <laughs> Canelo stuff that he does, it didn't work on the bigger guy. So needless to say, if you're in, if, if you take Michael B. Jordan, if you wanted to be a real boxer, and then he tried to fight freaking Tyson Fury, he couldn't move Tyson Fury. Because to be a combat, like if you, when you choose a weight class, like if I if I chose 160, the reason why I would I would choose to fight on 160 is because I see myself having various advantages at my disposal at that weight. In particular, I should be able to move somebody around physically if I have to move them around, especially if I'm dealing with a guy who is also strong. So at least if he has power and I get hit with a shot, it should be like, oh my gosh, damn, I'm getting hit with like the worst shot ever in my life. You know, because if you if you fight at too high a weight class, that's what's gonna happen. Kell Brook moved from 147 pounds to 160 to fight Triple G, and he got his orbital bone broken. Why? Because he moved up. You're not a true, you know what I'm saying? You got to be at a weight where you're a true that weight. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you're not a true, you wouldn't be a true heavyweight. That's what you got to do. Absolutely. Um, and, and, any final thoughts about any of these topics? I know it was kind of like a rapid fire uh, thing, but any, any final thoughts? Um... If uh, anybody's listening to this and you think you can fight me in, in, in boxing, you want some work, I'll beat your ass. I will say, you do do a good workout and all that stuff. I'll, I'll give you props there. Tell, like, tell, tell, tell them folks about the uppercut, man. The, the Panther-style super uppercut, bro. Man, I, I, will, I will say, a lot of people watch fights, boxing, UFC, and people might say, oh, you know, when they get punched in the body, they might think those are light. And oh, I could take that, but until you actually get punched in it, because I remember when you hit me with the first one, I felt it, but it was the second one that really stung me. I was like, oh, okay, now I know what it feels like to get hit. Right. And, that, and, and that would you spot. say, and would you say, like, at first glance, somebody my height, my body structure, would you expect me to have that sort of power at first glance if you didn't know that I trained or not? No. Exactly. But so, you know what, though? Now that I think about it, now I do think so because usually your your frame, you're more on the skinnier side and generally because you carry less, you have more, like you can, I want to say torque, but you have more speed than someone like me because 
you're 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 carrying less uh body mass. So you do have the more speed and crisp movement than I would. Right, right. So now right. that I think about it, I would say so, yeah. Because generally yeah. a lot of skinny fighters like John Jones, he don't carry a lot of power in the sense Israel Adesanya. Because I would look, I would look at him, who's kind of a little bit more along the lines of somebody like of my body type and body structure, because we have longer limbs and he's a taller guy too. So he, I, I might say we're exactly alike, but I would kind of look at him if I was making a comparison between my body type and somebody else. I would look at him because he don't. I mean, maybe he does. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe he does walk around at two hundred something pounds. I don't know if he does. Oh no, Israel works, walks around like one ninety five. Yeah, so that because me, I would say in a couple of years, I'll probably be up there too. It you know, it just it just depends on where I where I want to be. But looks can be deceiving, like I said. So, you know, I'm I'm a taller guy, stuff like that. I don't play I don't play basketball and I don't play boxing either. I box, you know what I'm saying? That's and right. so I'm giving out uppercuts and jabs for free 99. Free 99. So if you're <laughs> friends with Percy and shit like that, and you feel like you want some work, come get it. I'll beat your ass. <laughs> and in the spirit of the holiday season, protect yourself for all times, including your wallet. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Dimitri. I think we had a good conversation. Yes, and uh, we're going to wrap up this new year in a big one. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for coming on, bro. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.